I got one life, got a made up mind, one time to live, one time to die, I gotta make my one count, one life, got a made up mind, one time to live, one time to die, I gotta make my one count. One life. Hey, God bless you today. Praise the Lord. You're listening to One Life with Tay Love, the One Life podcast via MadeUpMind.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to encourage you to share this podcast. Yes, I'm saying it over and over again. We need more of you listeners to share. Even if you've already shared with one or two people, if you could, please share this with a few more people. Help us to get God's word out in the world. And I say the world because if you have a smartphone, if you have an Internet connection of any kind, you can disperse this and let God's word help God's word be released in the world, in the hearing, the hearts, the minds, the spirits, the souls of other human beings. Especially, according to this podcast, parents. So with that being said, let us continue this series. This is part four, Children According to God, part four. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this podcast. You are the God of all creation, the all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present God. Lord, you made human beings the same. We all have two eyes, two ears, one mouth and one nose, and so on and so forth. We hunger the same. We thirst the same. We laugh. We cry. We want to have fun. We want to work. We want to experience nice things in life, and we want to provide very well for our children. Help us to see the way that you see. Help us to hear what you want to say. Father, we yield ourselves, spirit, soul, and body to your Lordship. Let us uh, uh, quiet and set aside all distractions so that we may tune in to you, Spirit of the living God. We pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. This podcast is Children According to God, Part 4. Now, just for a brief review... We had several points uh, leading up to this point in time. We started out reading several verses, but the first point that we shared in part one was Americans do not see children the way God sees them. That was a very good and rich time there. We moved on to point number two. Most of what children do is vanity and does not apply in the real world or adult life. Uh, Point number three was going about adult life in the outer man with the inner man being childish, feeble and foolish brings a life of misery and regret. And the fourth point that we talked about was there is no basis for 18 years old that constitutes the commencement of manhood or womanhood in the Bible. Yes, this has been a very rich time. But today's podcast is going to end this series, and we're just going to discuss youth ministry, the current youth ministry model in America. This is pretty much what you expect to do or are expected to do 
on various platforms of churches of all kinds, whether it's traditional, Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, Calvary Chapel, Assemblies of God, Church of God in Christ, Pentecostal, whether it's non-denominational. This is kind of the understanding of what you are to do with youth in the context of the church. So I'm going to start with, this is the only point that will be discussed in this uh, series for this episode. This is the point. Point number five, and children according to God. Point number five, our final point is this. Youth ministry environments cultivate carnality because the youth are more carnal-like than Christ-like in their hearts. This often reflects the lack of Bible training or the lack of Bible culture in the home. I can tell you that when my son was first born, when I had the firstborn son, even before my first son was born, I had already been serving Jesus for almost 10 years. I gave my life to Jesus November 29, 1998. My first son was born in 2006, so not nearly 10 years. What's that? Eight years, if my math is correct. Okay. Now, I had plenty of time to travel around. Christian rap took me on TV, radio, this, that, and the other. I went to various churches of all kinds, sizes, shapes, and colors. I spent a lot of time with pastors and their families and people who spearhead ministries, and a lot of them had children. I've seen a wide variety, a good spectrum of houses that are ran and led by men. Now, I will say some of the homes that I observed, it appeared that the men led well. Other homes that I observed, it appeared that the men led not so well. Nonetheless, a lot of these homes were led by men who claimed Jesus in one capacity or the other. So then I got exposed to youth ministry and then I was introduced to youth ministry because it was presented to me, uh, you know, 2004 uh, with a small youth group. And so off I went to do what I uh, knew as youth ministry. So let me go ahead and go into some things that they're going to be strong. They're going to be strong. They're going to be true according to the research and according to what we see. This is not me making this up. This is not a Shrek, a Mario Brothers. This is not the three little bears or the big bad wolf or, you know, three little pigs. This is not fiction. These are the facts. And I tell you what, we don't have time to get into all the research from Barna, from the Pew Research and the different uh, 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 platforms of expertise for data and stats concerning the body of Christ, Christianity, the church, trends and all that. But let me go back to one verse and we're going to hone in on one word and hopefully that will cause us to conclude this series childhood according to God. And that verse, again, we're going to go back to it. It is Ecclesiastes 11. We're going to read verses 9 through, or I'm sorry, 8 through 9 in the King James Version. It says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy 
from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh. Here is the thing I want to dive into in this episode for childhood and youth are vanity. All right. That was Ecclesiastes 11, 8 through 9. I'm sorry, 9 through 10 King James Version. Wow. Ecclesiastes 11, 9 through 10 King James Version. I want to read the same verse out of the uh, out of the New American Standard Bible, 1995 version. Ecclesiastes 11, 9 through 10, NASB. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood and let your heart be pleasant during the days of your young manhood and follow the impulses of your heart and the desire of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. The word that I want to dive into on this episode is vanity. Now, vanity, you know, I can't, I don't know if that's a common word, but vanity. The definition of vanity, if we were to pick up a dictionary or Google or whatever, vanity means marked by futility or ineffectualness, unsuccessful, useless, vain efforts to escape. Imagine a dog. The dog has a leash, a dog has a choke chain, a dog has a fence, a six foot fence, a dog has an electrical, uh, invisible electrical fence as well. The dog is trying to get away every day. He's digging holes, he's scratching on the tree, he's uh, running around in circles, you know. It is a vain effort to escape. That dog is locked down. Vanity also means having no real value. Vanity means idle, worthless. Vanity means vain pretensions. Vanity means foolish, silly. Here is, ooh, this is very powerful what I'm about to share. Vanity means archaic or primitive time. Wow, that is powerful. Vanity means archaic or primitive time. Would it make any sense for somebody to try to run a restaurant with cooking methods from 1000 AD? Would it be effective for somebody to try to open a transportation business using, uh, you know, horse and buggies like it's 1806? Do you see what I'm saying? A primitive time. Vanity also means that. Now, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11.10, childhood and youth are vanity. Let me put a few things on your mind. Because honestly, even before we dive into these three points that I share with you, think about this. Here is the current American youth ministry model. Take some kids. First thing you do when they get to church is separate them from their parents. So whether they're a baby all the way up to 18 years old, if they are a child, 
separate them from their parents. That's already a big deal right there. We can't go there. You separate them from their parents and you put them under the influence of another person. Now, it could be two people, it could be one main person, it could be a room full of people. The point is they are separated from their parents. And this pretty much happens just about every time a family arrives to church. The children are separated from their parents. Okay, once again, that is a big deal, but we can't get into the significance of that right now. The kids go to an environment with other kids, typically their age. So now, three-year-olds are with three-year-olds, 10-year-olds are with 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds are with 15-year-olds, for the most part. When they are with other children, kids, their age, they're only learning, talking, discoursing, and being influenced by other children their age. They're not being influenced by people who have already lived past their age. For example, typically a 15-year-old in a church setting is not learning in the same environment as a 25-year-old. 15-year-olds typically can't help other 15-year-olds. Four-year-olds typically can't help other four-year-olds. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Again, we can't go there. That's strike number one, separated from the parents, sitting in environments of learning with kids their, other age, their, their same age, which means they're only learning as much as they can learn. They can't learn beyond the capacity of a 15-year-old if everybody around them is 15 also. Additionally, these environments are typically a lot less serious. So they're smothered with basically carnality, non-spiritual things. And I've traveled and seen everything from worldly music in these youth groups to worldly dancing in these youth groups. And when I say worldly, I mean the only dances these are derived from is your later, latest rapper or uh, what's the name, Britney Spears or whoever the latest pop person is. These church kids come to the youth group and start popping and locking and dropping like they do on BET and all the rest of these networks. So again, these environments are really um, smothered with non-spiritual things, which are carnal, says the Bible. So it's going to be dancing, it's going to be games, it's going to be junk food, it's going to be toys, it's going to be playing for, you know, you might as well say about half the time. And then when you finally get to the word, Remember, this is a non-serious environment. The word is typically short versus long. The word is shallow versus deep. And the word, again, is more of a touch or pat on the back versus, you know, hey, let's be about this for real. Our lives are at stake, heaven and hell, stuff like that. Nobody expects to talk about weighty things with children like divorce and marriage and even sex yeah that's not typically spoken of with youth groups it's typically almost like a moralistic time love your neighbor pray praise jesus you know those types of things remember 
my statements right now are summarizing the average there are some that are doing even less than that it's all carnal there are some on the other end of the extreme where they don't have no uh carnality they're very strict say like a pentecostal united pentecostal or you know something to that extreme so you do have the outliers but for the most part going back to that bell curve theory 85 percent of youth groups in america follow this model they do have a person in there or persons in there also those people are typically young not married newly married no kids or small kids in other words they don't have any experience in life they don't have any experience in ministry they certainly don't have a parent's mindset concerning children and a lot of times you can pick up what they really think about children when you watch how they deal with their very own children so let's go back to the word vain now remember supposedly the church what is the purpose of the church it depends on who you ask to be salt and light to share the love and truth of jesus christ to make disciples of all nations etc etc well remember childhood and youth are vanity says the bible ecclesiastes 11:10 some definitions are unsuccessful now let's just play with that word for a minute unsuccessful according to the trends of youth ministry remember we said in a few episodes ago that the church attendance from 1960 to 2019 let's just say 60 years has dwindled down from 63% that used to attend once a week down to 22% that will say I attend church once a week now especially because of COVID somebody think hey man I could just turn on TV and that's church for me well remember if you look at TV and you watch a ball game and you look at TV and it's a church service what's the difference between the two that we can't go there right now now there are people in prison and shut in and all that hey if you're disabled and all that that's all you can do but for people who ain't disabled or locked down in prison you are watching TV especially when you have the option to come together says the Bible Hebrews 10 so many other verses tell us to come together Jesus says hey where two or three of you are gathered together in my name there I am in the midst you can't talk to nobody through no TV you can't hear you know nobody can hear what you say if you in a big room and you watching a, a you know TV so let's get back to this unsuccessful you see that how did church attendance go down because let's start with 1960 1970 1980 over the course of 60 years if church attendance has been cut by two-thirds that implies that generation after generation children have been more vain than they have been more real parents have been raising children according to vanity and not according to reality and that's why you have people that look at, hey, if I'm in this environment where it's non-spiritual, because I go to school 40 to 50 hours a week, I got an extracurricular activity which tax on about 30 hours a week, 
then I sleep eight hours a day and you do the time pie chart of 168 hours, how much of that time is real spirituality? How much of that time is spent being influenced in a serious way by the living God of all creation, his word, his Holy Spirit, his church? How much of that time has been going that way for the last 60 years? Well, if we get from 63% down to 22%, those statistics tells us that no, that time has been what I just described to you, pie, uh, uh, taking bottles of soda and throwing them all over the place and apple contests and all this useless, uh, foolish, worthless, silly, archaic, primitive, these things that have no real value, these ineffectual things have been taking place and continue to take place in youth ministry for the most part throughout all the body of Christ and churches, regardless of denomination, in America. So where does that put people like myself? Obviously, if I'm given this message in this series because God has given me a burden or a burning concerning youth and parents and children and child rearing and marriage and family, I would not do youth ministry according to the church, American church model that has been going on for decades. I am not saying that all of those things are wrong. There's a time and place for everything. You got four kids, hey, you're going to smile and laugh. You're going to have plenty of time to do that. But just like in the military, they understand. They give you time out of formation. Hey, they got fitness. They got the sauna. They got a steam room. They got racquetball, weights, walk the trail, go down. They got plenty of stuff on military bases. But the main bread and butter, regardless of which uh, installation you go to, oh, it's serious. And they're about being soldiers or seamen or Marines or airmen or, you know, they're, they're serious. And so while that may be a piece of it, it is not the objective, the point, the mission, the main meat of whatever they're doing. Sadly, because... We do children according to man and not according to God. We have seen a drastic decrease, not in just weekly church attendance, but also in views about Jesus. I just read yesterday how about 53% of Christians do not believe the accounts in the Bible. They don't believe that they actually and literally happened. And that's one of many statistics that you can read today. It's like half the people, I think it's like more than half, 63% of Christians don't see anything wrong with premarital sex. And we could keep going, but let's wrap this podcast up, Children According to God, Part 4. This is the One Life Podcast with Tay Love. You're listening to it via MadeUpMind.com. Please share, share, share. Share this podcast, not for me, but for the Word of God to be in the hearing of homes, parents, etc. So let's move away from vanity because I just described to you the basic youth model ministry. Jesus is diminished. He's not serious and is very short. Let's make the word short. Uh, these environments are non-spiritual, carnal, full of all this stuff that's fleshy. And then 
the other aspect of youth ministry is a lot of times the youth are not expected to do anything with what they hear. No scripture memory, no note taking, no reteaching, no witnessing, nothing. They're not being put into anything long enough, deep enough, rich enough to make Jesus contagious, to, to make Jesus desirable. They're not, you know, it's just not, again, vanity, unsuccessful, vain efforts, no real value, idle, worthless, foolish, or archaic, or primitive. So let's move on with a few questions and we'll get to the word, some more word. Why doesn't the world wait to introduce things to children? Satan, the children of wrath, the children of darkness, the children of disobedience, do not wait to turn children on to sex. LGBTQIAS2 plus is telling the world all over the world, hey, kids can learn about porn and all types of sexual immorality in preschool. Now it's okay to talk about genitalia when the child is three. How do you feel, Bobby? I don't know. All I know is I don't want it. You, you see, I can keep going, but they're not waiting to introduce those concepts to a kid when he's 30. No, we, the devil is saying three years old, two years old, we're gonna start exposing you to sexual immorality sauce. Not just that, but now, they got all kinds of CBD, THC, weed-based cannabis products, they putting that stuff in gummy bears. I seen this on the news. A teacher got a jar on the desk with THD, THC, CBD, gummy bears in elementary school. Uh, you, 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 so girls ain't learning to wait until they 27 to twerk. Now you got a platform called TikTok and they TikToking all around the clock. Twerking, popping, and jerking. And some of these, sadly, are Christians. Oh, they'll claim Jesus in a minute. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank my Lord and Savior. Ooh, drop it, drop it, do, drop it, drop it. Yeah. I can keep going, but I know you see my point. The devil does not wait to expose these kids to stuff, whether it's sex, drugs, violence, video games, horror, witchcraft, magic, you name it. Why doesn't the world wait to introduce things to children? The world is more about their business than the church and the Christians are about God's business. Question number two. Why doesn't the world limit what they introduce children to? Oh, no, 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 no. They ain't waiting. You have ministers of uh, uh, darkness. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, Satan masquerades as an angel of light and his ministers do also. You have ministers of the angel of light who go around praying on families. Yeah, third world countries, man, they'll go to a poor family and say, let me buy your daughter for a thousand bucks and get her hip to human trafficking. 
uh, even around here, they, you know, uh, you, you, there's certain areas of town. I know Memphis is, is picking up traffic when it comes to that, uh, you know, sex trafficking. It's picking up steam. But you got girls who say, you know what? Hey, it's better to, to, to help my family or to make money. Now you got a digital platform called OnlyFans. You got teachers and lawyers and police officers that say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do this in the name of money. That's for another podcast. You can ch- We can chase that rabbit another day. But at the end of the day, the devil don't limit. He wants you drunk, high, criminal, felony, incarcerated, uh, 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 bound, depressed. He wants all of those things present in you at the same time. Just like Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. You can have all of those fruits when you're walking in the Spirit. And the devil wants you to have all of those components of darkness when you are walking in the flesh. Third question is this. Why is the world rushing to expose children to what most parents deem inappropriate? Why is the world rushing? Why is the world taking the limits off? And why is the world again not waiting? It's not. It's not that you, that they're not waiting. They are rushing. Now you got LGBTQAIS2+. A man who dressed up looked like a woman, and you know he calls himself an adult entertainer, reading the children in the library in the school. So. This is how how aggressive the devil is. The devil now has doctrines of demons, meaning this. I'm just speaking of one aspect: the LGBTQAIS2+ uh, uh, songs and doctrine and texts and curriculum in a wide sector of public education in the whole country. And just because you claim Jesus don't mean your children ain't going to be exposed to it. That means you got to take another stand and do something else. My advice, take your kids, homeschool them yourself. Get a nighttime job and uh, roll that way. Or, you know, anyway, I could go there, but I, hey, you got to decide what you're going to do. Okay? Let's get to the word because we're running out of time. I don't want to keep you much longer. I want to wrap this series up. Childhood according to God. Children according to God. Let's go to Revelation 12, 12. And I'm going to read out of the message translation. In light of those three questions, again, why doesn't the world wait to introduce things to children? Why doesn't the world limit what they introduce to children? Why is the world rushing to expose children to what most parents deem inappropriate? Revelation 12, 12, the message translation. So rejoice, O heavens, and all who live there, but doom to earth and sea. For the devils come down on you with both feet. He's had a great fall. He's wild and raging with anger. He hasn't much time and he knows it. Ooh, that is a very powerful punch right there. He hasn't much time and he knows it. 
Do Christians know what time it is? Do Christians know what time it is not? It is not time to be sleeping. It is not time to be assuming. It is not time to be lazy. Ooh, so many people lazy just get on my nerve. That's a whole nother can of worms. I cannot stand laziness. And apparently God can't either. He has the book of Proverbs just loaded with many Proverbs about laziness. One of my favorite is, uh, I don't have the address right offhand, but a lazy man turns over in his bed like the hinges of a door. Although a door moves, it ain't going nowhere. And certain people are like that. Just flat out lazy. But what time is it? The devil knows what time it is for him. That's why when we look around in the world, we can see more of the world falling away from Jesus. They're not enduring sound doctrine. They're becoming more of lovers of self, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. These Christians, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I'll give 60 hours a week to all this other stuff, but 25 minutes to God and so on and so forth. Again, he's wild and raging with anger. He hasn't much time and he knows it. Satan knows his time. It's sad if you have children and you don't know what time it is. Because the Bible says in James 4, your life is as a vapor, appearing for one moment and gone the very next. Oh God. So, in conclusion of children according to God, this is part four. If you are sitting there and you're a parent and you say, wow. That is true. Wow. Great insight. Wow. I have followed the series parts one, two, three, and now four. I understand. What do I do now that I know? If you are saying that question to yourself, here is what you must do. Repent. 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 Without going deep, the word repent means if I'm going east, turn the car around and go west. If I'm going upstairs, turn around and go downstairs. It means if I'm going left, turn around and go right. It means go the other way. Go the opposite way. Now listen, don't go another way, go the opposite way. Another way, hey, I'm going with alcohol and now I'm going to go to the cigarette. No, if you're going to alcohol, the opposite would be go to no alcohol. Go to juice, water, soda. That's just an example. That's what repentance means. I know, you might say, yeah, I've, I've had children for 10 years and there's a lot I didn't do right. Well, that's humans. Read the Bible. The Bible, especially 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, or 1st, 2nd, 7, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, you see a pattern of behavior that happens over and over again. I'm just saying, that's one section of the Bible. 
It's 66 books, but in six books, if you read, you're going to see a pattern of people who can't seem to get it right, don't want to get it right. But it does not have to be you. So again, what do I do now that I know? Repent. And let me go to one verse, a few verses, to help you see what repentance looks like for you if you have been raising children other than according to God. Let's go to Joshua 24, 14 through 15, King James Version. It reads, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods or the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 14 through 15, King James Version. You know how many plaques of that verse is on houses of Christian men? where them and their house ain't serving the Lord. Man, take that thing down. Don't say that, okay? Put it up if you're really doing it, but take it down if you really ain't. Folks, Joshua said, listen, I can't tell you what to do, who you, what you gonna do. But as for me and my house, this is what I love. He changes from me to we will serve the Lord. In other words, Joshua is not going to be a passive man or an absent man. He's going to be an active man, a determined man, a focused man. That he will say everything in this house is going to serve God. And he's going to put and implement the things in his house that are conducive to that. Okay? Let me read to you another verse. What do I do now that I know? 2 Kings 23, verse 25, King James Version. This is talking about Josiah. Wow, I love how the Bible talks about Josiah. Sadly, when you read the accounts of the kings, there were not many that did what God told them to do, especially with their whole heart. There were some that did it partially, etc. But we know King David, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And now we have Josiah. Here's what the Bible says about Josiah, 2 Kings 23, 25. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Wow, wow, wow. Look at the impression, the imprint, the fingerprint, the footprint, the mark that Josiah left from his life and how he served God. This is what God is saying about Josiah. There was nobody like him before or after that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. This brother was serious about God. 
Now, we don't have time to go into everything, but I promise you, if we were to read this, that whole 2 Kings chapter 23, you will see how he responds to God. And it is beautiful. Now, let me read to you one more verse. Actually, they should have been flipped, but this is 2 Kings 22, verses 1 through 2. This is a little bit right before that verse that I just read you. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adaya of Boscath. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Second Kings 22, 1 through 2. Listen, this is one example in the Bible of somebody, two men, Joshua and Josiah, whose mind is made up to do it God's way. This is why this ministry is called Made Up Mind Ministries. My mind has been made up for the last, now it's coming up on 24 years. I don't care if my wife turned from Jesus. I don't care if my child turned from Jesus. I don't care if my job, if the church, if my, if the city turns from Jesus. This brother right here, mine is made up about Jesus Christ. And as another brother said, the Pilgrim Jubilees, that brother said, can't nobody change the way I feel about them. He says, I got a made up mind. Ooh, I love that brother's song. So me, myself, and I, yes, I have a made up mind. I'm going to serve Jesus Christ, me and my house. I am the leader of my home. I'm responsible for what is and what is not exposed in here. This is me. The uh, first Corinthians 11 tell me that the head of every man is Christ. So Jesus is my Lord, but I am the one who lords over this house, meaning I'm the one in charge. Okay. Because again, men are in their homes, but they're passive. They allow all kind of crap to happen and they wonder why the kid come out and he walks away and contributes to that 22%, which it could be 80% or 100%, but contributes to the great falling away of young people who come out of a Christian context and don't want the Christ. They come out of a Christian context and say, yeah, I don't want the Christ. I want myself. I want my flesh. I want the world. So ladies and gentlemen, you have listened to children according to God. This is part four of the series. This is Tay Love. You're listening to the One Like Podcast via MadeUpMind.com. I really hope you take a second or two to share this message. It might be unlike all the other stuff you've heard before in your life, but my prayer is that it ministers to you, blesses you, encourages you, strengthens you. People, we are running out of time. The older that I get, the more obvious it's going to be to me. Hey, man, you got to be even more serious, more aggressive and more determined to do what thus said the Lord to say what thus said the Lord. 
That's all we have for now. God bless you. Until next time. One life. One death. One time. Make disciples. Make disciples.